You want to tell the people what you just told me before we hit record? I, I bought a, I have a Galaxy Victrola record player because now I'm into vinyl. Also, I built a bookshelf uh, after I got back from the doctor being diagnosed with bronchitis. What part of you need rest do you not understand? I'm black, a woman with mental illness. There are three factors that very much go against me as far as the concept of rest and downtime go. I also decoupage the inside with Japanese woodblock prints. Nice. So it looks like a giant Hakusai painting ejaculated all over the back of my bookcase. That's the guy who did the wave one, right? Mm-hmm. Wait, no, it was a different guy. Okay. It might've been the same guy. There's also a holographic black rabbit in rainbow holographic. Oh. Hold on, I'll grab him. Hold on. I made the black rabbit a death, but gay and sparkly. So you're going to be uh, sending pictures of that so we can post it on the Instagram, yeah? Yes. You can't see his sparkle very well in this light, but when you catch him from a certain side, he's very pretty. Actually, it's on TikTok. I'll just send you the fucking TikTok. I set it to Chopin. Oh, awesome. Yeah, it's on TikTok. Um, and then my... Uh, Swedish Christmas goat that I've yet to burn down. Uh, I have no concept of what it means to rest because I've been battling executive dysfunction. And for some reason, my body was like, hey, would you like some PMDD? It's like, no. Would you also like bronchitis? It's like, no. But would you like to have the most energy you've ever had in the last like six months? Don't you just love when your body is just like, you know what, we're going to play roulette today. Like I, I'm literally just like, like, you know, those like gross, like TMI images of like women on their periods where just like laying and like the bottom half is blood and the top half is tears. Yes. That's been me, but like with snot and blood. And then it's just like, do you want to have the most energy you've had since almost like pre-pandemic times? It's like, yeah, that'd be great. I'd love to like finish projects. It's like, here's some bronchitis enjoy that you'll sleep when you're dead we're giving you bronchitis because otherwise you would be too powerful i think that's honestly what it is like that's why i'm five one if i was any taller man if i could fucking like reach cereal on my own no nah, this whole planet would be mine Lori has also seen me throw paper towels to get more paper towels so it was very impressive and successful tori has watched me like line up a shot throw paper towels and get more paper towels as you can tell we're running away from the book because this one's about being sad irish and catholic yeah this one this one's a lot um and then i saw what you picked for next time it's also a lot so it's gonna be hi yeah, you're welcome <laughs> welcome to april no i'm just kidding this is technically still march um it is technically still march so i read this book <laughs> in high school i'm gonna tell you right now reading this as an adult i'm like why are men but anyway um, I feel like I took, oh, Tori, would you like to tell uh, the audience what I asked you after watching about two hours of incel murder documentaries? If I could remember it word for word, I would, but I don't. I basically just asked like, why, what are men? Why are men? Like I was just, so yeah, fun fact. Also don't watch like an hour and a half's worth of incel killer documentaries while you have bronchitis and you're like halfway in between mucinex doses because that misandry that you think is mild 
will become severe. See, I ended up watching the, uh, what was it? Evil vegan or some bad vegan. And then I watched Tinder Swindler, vice versa. And I'm like, oh yeah, I don't trust anybody with finances. And this is hundred percent why. I've also been keeping up with season three of Into the Womblands on TikTok. Wait, what? Season three? Yeah. It's still going? Yes. I have been avoiding this like so hard. All of my I'm on I'm on season three of Into the Womblands. There is a very certain sect of our audience that is going to understand that. And for the rest, you get no more context. See, but there's must- a but there's a nugget of our audience that's gonna be like, you bitch. The funny thing is half the time I just see the response videos for the witch talk stuff because I follow all the mythology people Mm -hmm. and I'm going wait why are we mad about that wait who is that I'm 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 deep into in the into the womb lands drama I oh man I was one of those people that had to like remove a like really fast because white woman tears worked on me for the last time Which I actually have some books added to my wish list about that, uh, about white woman tears and like black fatigue. What you have again? We're running away from the book. Uh, we're so, reading Angela's Ashes. Uh, Irish and Catholic childhoods are hard, um, uh, supposedly. Mm, that's a caveat. We'll talk about it in a bit. It is a uh, caveat. <clears throat> what are we eating and drinking? Well, I would highly recommend Guinness, but if you're like. Uh, Malachi McCourt senior, maybe don't do that. Uh, whiskey, mm. tea, your own tears, any of that's fine. Yeah, uh, I have water right now because I'm still recovering from being sick. Uh, and I'm pretty sure all of my doctors would be upset if I did that, though I did almost buy whiskey on my way home. Uh, but I will probably drink pink champagne out of this life is relentless mug with a crab smoking a cigarette later. It is basically the best mug I've seen. And as we were discussing pure cancerian energy. Just crab smoking a cigarette. Life is relentless. And that's... Oh, I also get to make pie later. Oh, that's cool. So, you know, pie is nice. All right. Do you want a short story along? This is actually a fairly short story. I'm... Or, like, at least for you. I am impressed. Well, most of it of this book is side comments and internal stories so plot wise it's relatively short um we begin our story in brooklyn new york pre-gentrification um so everybody who's kind of on the edges of society lives in brooklyn mm-hmm. um angela who's frank's future mom meets another irishman named malachi and they get groiny um of course this leads to pause you uh, really really quick for one second yeah. So I got tired of uh, Google Docs correcting groiny, so I just added it to our dictionary. Yay! Since I use it frequently. Um, so Maliki, of course, gets Angela pregnant, and they get married uh, to everyone's chagrin, including Angela's. Um, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, Malachi is a non-functioning alcoholic, so mm-hmm. even though he goes to work, he takes the money and immediately spends it on alcohol. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a terrible plan because he has multiple children. He has Frank, Malachi Jr., and two twin boys, Eugene and Oliver. Uh, for the most part, the twins, the baby twins, uh, Eugene and Oliver, subsist on sugar water once they go past the uh, breast stage. 
I don't yeah. think that that's healthy. It's not. It's not. A, really I'm not a healthy. doctor, but I don't think that's healthy. They basically subsist on things that the uh, really nice Italian um, shopkeeper downstairs is like, hey, you look like you're having a hard time. Here's some of this. And they're incredibly sweet Jewish neighbors who are like, do you maybe want some porridge? Can I make something mm-hmm. for you? Um, Angela gets pregnant again. And this time she has a girl named Margaret. Um, Malachi Sr. is so taken with his baby daughter that he temporarily stops drinking and spends some time with her. This seems mm-hmm. like, oh, we're going to get some joy out of this. But of course, Margaret dies 21 days after she's born and Malachi Sr. takes off, um, leaving poor uh, Angela in extreme postpartum depression and depression over losing her child, non-functioning in bed, and the kids are taking care of each other. Mm-hmm. Um, they're super nice. Neighbors um, are having none of it. So they go and they find Angela's aunts. Uh, mm-hmm. Margaret is in full-on breakdown mode. And Frank and Malachi are literally changing their twin brother's diapers. And they're like, well, we don't know what to do with dirty diapers. And the neighbors are like helping them, doing all this stuff, feeding them, making sure they're okay. Which is kind of, that part is kind of cool that the neighbors are so close. But it is a really fucked up situation. Mm-hmm. So once the aunts get there, um, they remind me a little bit of your aunts, except with much more Irish much more Irish. Um, they write a letter to Angela's mother and they're like, hey, can we get some money so we can bring her and the kids and maybe this loaf back to uh, Limerick? Because this is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, they end up setting sail for Ireland. They <laughs> arrive and find that things are even worse than when they were living in Brooklyn. Because now they have no real community. All the family mm-hmm. is like, oh, I can't really take you in, but like, you can kind of be on the sides here. Um, when they get there, Angela's pregnant again. Malachi Sr. can't get a pension because supposedly he worked for the IRA, but there's no documentation. Mm -hmm. Um, No one can keep them except Angela's mom very temporarily until they can rent a place. Um, They are on the dole, which basically is kind of like welfare out here. Um, But it's a certain set of money. And Angela and Malachi fight a lot because he goes to get the doyle and then, or the dole, and then on the way back, spends it in a bar. So she's mm-hmm. like, no, 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 we're not having this. I will go with you. I will take the money out of out of his hand, the the man's hand, and then we will go back. So your children do not starve to death, you piece of crap. Um, Angela ends up having a miscarriage. Uh, the twin boys, Eugene and Oliver, die. Uh, mm-hmm. One of them has um, dies from an unknown illness, and then um, the other one is like two, and he's staring out the window constantly, looking for his brother. And he's just like, when is he coming home? When is he coming home? But like little kid kind of sounds. And then he dies of pneumonia in the middle of the night and they wake up and find his body. Like, what the fuck? So of course, you know, Angela doesn't take it well because it's babies. Um, Malachi Sr. still cannot get his shit together. Um, mm. He drinks away all the money they have. And then they, uh, they have to keep moving apartments because there are homes because they're like, well, our kids keep dying in these places. Um, they get rougher, shocking. Um, when the first floods uh, hit, they floods one of their homes. Um, they start calling the downstairs area that's flooding during the winter Ireland. So they move mm-hmm. all of their stuff up to the second floor, which is warmer, and they call it Italy. So that becomes kind of like their little base of operations. And then when things get warmer, they move things back downstairs. Mm-hmm. Um, Malachi Sr. tells Frank stories about his Irish heroes and people around them, which is basically the only reason that anyone seems to put up with him is that he's a good storyteller. Mm-hmm. Um, Angela has two more boys, one who's named Michael, one who's Alphonsus or Alfie. 
Frank is confirmed in the Catholic Church when one of the funniest descriptions of throwing up the Eucharist I've ever heard in my life. Which is not discussed enough because that shit tastes like crap. So I will tell my first communion story if you need me to. I'm going to be excited about that. Um, so if you've ever seen the movie and the movie captures this brilliantly, basically he has this huge breakfast. Mm-hmm. He goes and he takes the Eucharist and then he throws it up in the backyard. And his grandmother is so upset that she sends him back to the church to ask mm-hmm. the priest in confession. Keep in mind, he's just done his first confession. Now he's going to do his second. So he can ask how to wash away the Eucharist properly from the backyard. Whether it needs to be holy water or regular water. <laughs> regular water works fine. Regular water was fine. Anyway, um, <clears throat> Frank ends up getting typhoid and ends up in the hospital. Um, mm-hmm. He reads Shakespeare, then the papers. And then by the time he goes back to school, because he's been struggling up into that point, he ends mm-hmm. up being a huge storyteller like his father. And everyone realizes that his gift is the written and spoken word. Um, I love that you can get all that from Shakespeare. And newspapers and being stuck in a hospital for a long time. Maybe it was the trauma. Maybe it was the trauma. <clears throat> Worked for us. So World War II starts, because of course it does. And Malachi mm-hmm. Sr. goes off to or goes off because he's supposed to find work. But mm-hmm. surprisingly, he doesn't send home any money. Uh, a lot of where the struggle in this is, is that um, Malachi Sr. is from the north of Ireland. And so his mm-hmm. accent is very different. And so everybody around them is like, uh-uh, nah, you're not one of us. You got to get out of here. We don't we don't give jobs to people from the north. It's a real thing. Anyway, um, he ends up getting a job with a guy, or Frank himself. So our little, our little bit is now much older. He gets a job mm-hmm. with a guy named Mr. Hannon. And then we get to see a whole slew of additional jobs that he takes to try mm-hmm. and take care of his family because he feels really responsible for them. And he dreams of the day when he could just basically send money back to his family. So they have all the food and clothes that they need and they don't have to try and repair their shoes with uh, bike tires. So with no money coming in, other than what Frank has, um, the courts are evicted. They have mm-hmm. to move in with Angela's cousin, Laman. Laman and Angela start getting gritty and it makes Frank very angry and uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, thanks to his Catholic confirmation and upbringing, he's very uncomfortable with the concept of sex anyway. And mm-hmm. even masturbation feels extreme guilt. Um, mm-hmm. He starts working as a bike messenger and then he gets granny with a client named Teresa Car- Carmati. Um, Teresa, of course, dies from tuberculosis as mm-hmm. like a lot of people in the town that they're in. Mm-hmm. And Frank is totally heartbroken. He ends up saving a bunch of money from working to, mm-hmm. and he uh, goes back to New York and he goes to a party the first night he's there, has sex with an American woman and he thinks things are starting to look up. There is another book after this about his time in america mm-hmm. uh, i think it's called tiz that's either that and then his brother also maliki uh, jr wrote a bunch of books too mm-hmm. one of which i have on my shelf right uh, yeah <clears throat> it's uh it's a lot yeah um question why are children supposed to read this well you don't really read it until you're either in late high school or early college. Okay. And most of it is because it's Pulitzer Prize winning. This is when okay. you're more focusing on things like memoirs, which one of the things I do want to point out for themes and symbols are memoirs are faulty. They're faulty. Well, 
I mean, I don't want to, I'm going to walk us away from that statement a little bit. People are faulty. Yes. No, that's our, our lens is faulty. Uh, to get really personal, really fast. Uh, the night my mom died, my aunt and I tell that story very differently. Why? Because it was a traumatizing as fuck night. And at the certain point, it doesn't matter who has the right side of the story. Like in this specific instance, I'm not here to talk about like witness testimony and like cops and shit like that. Because firstly, ACAB, secondly, like that's the whole problem with putting traumatized witnesses on the stand is because memory is faulty. People are faulty. People are fallible. And like, sometimes you just don't remember things the way that you think you remember it. So I think that's why it's always important to remember that a memoir is one person's version of a snapshot in time. You actually it is not point entirely on the head. Well done. <laughs> oh, thank you. Like it is one person's version of events. Like you wouldn't want like just Winston Churchill's view of World War II. It's like everything was great until it wasn't. And then I was great. Look at how great I was being, you know, everything else is on fire. Like you don't want one person's snapshot of anything, but they're great if you really care about that one person. Like I love Anthony Bourdain's memoirs. Kitchen Confidential changed my life. But like, is that to me what every New York chef is like? No, of course not. I mean, the cocaine's probably true. Like every New York chef probably is doing cocaine somewhere. That's accurate. But like, is that every New York chef? No, of course not. That's not everyone's experience. Exactly. And I mean, even even his brother, his descriptions are, you know, slightly different, but he was also a couple years younger. Mm-hmm. And we got to remember too, that Frank was the oldest. Mm-hmm. So when you're the oldest or the only, a lot of times you take on other responsibilities that people don't think about, especially if they're the middle or younger child. Yeah, I, uh, I'm going through that like wonderful resurgence of uh, I'm doing things that I like doing in my childhood because I didn't get to have a childhood because I was busy taking care of chronically ill parents. So yeah, sometimes I really just like to buy comic books and shit like that because I, I was busy. At, at 10, I had to make sure that mom took insulin and that's not something that I wish on anyone. I was at the doctor talking about that because she thinks that I might have the sleep apnea. Uh, and she's like, have you ever you know, heard of the CPAP? And she's like, oh yeah, I had to clean moms all the time. And it's like, that's not, that's not how children are supposed to be. I digress. Okay, so we have a lot of trauma and guilt in this uh, here outline for themes. Do you want it? Do you want to get the church out of the way entirely yes. and then work on other feelings? Because honestly, I can feel like, feel like we can combine religious trauma, Catholic church and sex, and Catholic guilt all in one thing. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, so quite often in this book, um, Frank refers back to his Catholic upbringing um, and those around him. When they're in New York in the very beginning of the book, they really have no religious upbringing. Um, his dad tells him old stories um, of a, a particular hero that I can never pr- pr- correctly pronounce the name on, and I should learn that because I'm reading a lot about the mm-hmm. war. But anyhow, um, 
there's this very, I want to say it's like Kukofain um, or something. He's a very, very famous figure in Irish history and culture. And he's supposedly basically like the Irish Hercules. And that's mm-hmm. putting it very, very weakly. Um, the man at the very end of his life to try and convince people that he's still standing and fighting uses his own entrails to tie himself to a post. Um, and it's only when one of the Morgan's Ravens drinks blood from his his shoulder that they realize he's actually dead. So throwing that out there, thanks mythology world. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, they go from that, like if we want to read super into it, they go from kind of this wild pagan childhood to very structured Catholic Ireland. And they go to... Uh, a school that is um, like basically they're paid for by like the St. Vincent de Paul um, society. Mm-hmm. So if you see a lot, there's a lot of thrift stores and stuff out in, in Texas and other places that are benefiting the St. Vincent de Paul society. Basically they were groups that came together and were like, oh, you're impoverished. Let's go ahead and, and give you this. We donated to the St. Vincent de Paul society in the name of the Mothman. We did. And they were very confused, but very thankful. I don't think they were confused at all. I would argue. I'm sure they get a decent amount of those. Like, I'm sure, I, I can only imagine that anything in Point Pleasant understands that the only reason anyone outside of that county cares about them is because of the Mothman. But it led to one of the greatest things that I still have in my inbox, because I asked for them to send a confirmation to Victoria, <laughs> and Victoria sends me an email, like, while I'm at work saying I just snort laughed at work I love you because the email from Jerry Sample the senior advancement services associate of the St. Vincent de Paul Society had to send Victoria a typed email this is not constant contact this is not MailChimp she had to write this saying (laughs) we received a donation from Amanda in honor of the Mothman and we were asked to notify this is Victoria of the donation attached. We also received a gift. You laughed so freaking hard. So I also don't know if you clicked on the image to that. I didn't. So there's a flyer of St. Vincent de Paul giving charity to a little poor woman. And it says the St. Vincent de Paul Society gratefully acknowledges a donation from Amanda in honor of Mothman. <laughs> Well, now I gotta post that in this particular group. Um, I saved that email. I have not deleted that email. I've, that email is a year old and it is still in my inbox. I cannot get rid of it. Uh, but so there are a lot, lot of high points in our friendship. And I think that's one of them. Also, I got a certificate from Notre Dame de Paris uh, thanking me for sponsoring gargoyles. So I got a little certificate saying uh, protector of gargoyles. Uh, but okay, so here's the thing about the Catholic Church. Um, I am a lapsed Catholic, uh, but I still put Catholic on the census because they don't have a spot that just says shrug. In Ireland and Scotland, um, and I think Wales, they finally got an option on their boxes that say pagan because there's a huge pagan yeah. resurgence out there. And they're yeah, because like- religion sucks. Um, but here's the thing about catholicism we were never meant to be the religion that we ended up being 
basically every church was Catholic until Martin Luther got a hair up his ass. Yeah. So for like the entire first X many years of the church, every church was Catholic. And then Martin Luther much later was like, wait a minute. I don't know if I like all this. Well, I mean, you and, also had the schism between the Orthodox and the Roman Catholic. I mean, we had a lot of other little, we had anti-popes. We had a lot of shit. We have, there's a reason why we have like two different creeds. We have the Nicene and the apostles. The council of Nicaea was just to formulate if Jesus was human or divine. And they argued for months. And they basically were just like, he's half and half. Yeah. And then there were other conventions. Vatican, the Vatican meets like yearly on like a Zoom call. But it's like, uh, oh my God, what was that uh, giant evil building in Justice League where all the villains meet together in a swamp? The League of Villains? Yeah. It's like that, but for Cardinals. Or honestly, it's more like deeper cut. It's in the rescuers where all the rescue aid society comes in, but it's like a cute little UN of nations, but also like cultural stereotypes. Um, <laughs> but we are, Catholicism is inextricably linked to guilt in a way that a lot of other religions aren't. Um, there's a lot of discussion on how this ended up happening. A lot of us point to um, all of the gore and blood in our imagery. Um, there is a lot, there is a huge focus on the suffering of Christ and Catholicism. Not that we don't acknowledge the resurrection or anything, but there is a massive focus on the suffering of Christ. Um, there are crucifixes everywhere and they're bloody and they're grisly. And that imagery stays with you for years. Um, honestly, Catholic guilt is hard to explain if you haven't been to a Catholic church. Like I will never forget this. Uh, my mother was buried Catholic because I'm a vindictive little bitch. Um, and it was more convenient. She shouldn't have died so suddenly. That means I had to make all the plans. Pre-plan your funeral. If you haven't started thinking about it, pre-plan your services. Uh, this message was sponsored by traumatized people that had to make sudden funeral arrangements for their parents. Um, but uh, my, my former best friend went to the service and he went to my, my church as a child. The church that my parents were married in, the church that I had my first communion, that I was baptized in, that I taught Sunday school in, that my mom taught Sunday school in, and her sisters taught Sunday school in. And in our main room, in our mass hall, there's this giant hanging statue of Christ, like easily 20 or so feet tall, just huge. And he, he tapped my shoulder as we were leaving. And he said, is this what Catholic guilt feels like? It's like, yes. Every time you close your eyes, that's what you see. And it's overbearing. Also just watch like the intro of Hunchback of Notre Dame. Like, just honestly, just go watch Hunchback of Notre Dame, the Disney movie. Like, it's not a great example of Catholic guilt, but like that overbearing, it's everywhere. There are eyes always on you. Uh, 
that part I think it captures really, really well. Uh, like when the statues start looking at, you know, Claude Frollo and everything like that. Um, but we did not used to be a guilty religion. We, we did not. Um, now, religious trauma is a thing that basically a lot of people that are in organized religions, uh, sometimes we're taught things that aren't great. So my religious trauma doesn't come from Catholicism. It comes from my dad going to an anti-science evangelical church where they taught us that in the event of a rapture to go underneath a chair, like that's gonna protect against debris but also isn't the point of the rapture that we'd get raptured up. So I think that's one of the big trauma points that a lot of the kids from the eighties and nineties and early two thousands have is that whole left behind series. Now that's not Catholic. That was more evangelical, but that's very evangelical became very, a very big deal. It was all this. Well, and here's the thing. Um, if you follow, you know, the Catholic religion, the Lutheran religion, if you follow, mm -hmm orthodoxy, anything like that. They teach that the book of revelations is all just in code because of the time frame. That's yes. what they, they tell you that it's not a play by play of what's going to happen. No. And the they're like, no, 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 no. That does not, none of that. None of that is accurate. Mm -hmm. Our modern day concepts came from a revival society. I believe it was at the early late 1800s, early 1900s mm -hmm. where they would travel around and talk about the rapture and about mm -hmm. make it. They, they made it something that like that the book of revelations was a play-by-play -play. it's not it's but not it became so ingrained especially in american society that we honestly mm -hmm. half the time believe like if you if you've seen uh the show good omens or anything like that that that's how it's going to happen that the devil mm -hmm. that the antichrist is going to show up and that the devil is going to be there and that all these things are going to happen and we're going to get these mm -hmm. signs and the four horsemen of the apocalypse are going to show up mm -hmm. and, um and if you ask anybody who's like raised solidly in the Catholic church or the Orthodox church about that, most of the time they just look at you like you're on crack. Yeah, because um, the Catholic church tacitly says it is a sin to even speculate about the end of existence. Uh, no man knows neither the time or the place. Like the book of Matthew says that. So Catholics aren't really in the business of predicting that. No. Um, the evangelical movement, however, uses that as a pain point. Um, I was they evangelical until we became Lutherans. So trust me, confirmation was confusing as hell. Um, sure. But it was one of those things where it was, oh, well, where do you want to be when Jesus comes back? What if you're doing this when Jesus comes back? Do you really want to be talking to that person when Jesus comes back? Like the amount of times that I heard that phrase in church as a kid, holy shnikes. Now keep in mind, we had youth pastors playing um, semi-charmed kind of life at the beach, okay? Like the disconnect was so huge that like, as the, I keep getting older and older, I'm like, what the, what the hell were we doing? Tori, did you ever have to pledge allegiance to the Christian flag? I did not, thankfully. I had oh. to pledge allegiance to the Christian flag. There are so many things about that statement. Like, it's already weird to me that Texas has its own flag that we do an allegiance to. Which there I is a anyhow. Christian flag that I've pledged allegiance to regularly. 
on Sundays. What's super fun is people in other countries look at us like we're batshit crazy. And for accurate yeah. reasons. Yeah, we are. But like, like we have debates in in freaking Congress mm-hmm. about certain things. Keep in mind, our one of our big tenets is supposed to be separation of church and state, right? It has never been separate. It has never been separate. Constantly things are passed, like in Texas, all of a sudden <laughs> had like a bounty hunter law, basically, where they'd give you ten thousand dollars if you reported a woman going to get an abortion. What the fuck? Okay, so I pulled up the Wikipedia on the Christian flag. Uh, The field is white. The ground is white, representing peace, purity, and innocence. And the upper corner is a blue square, the color of an unclouded sky, emblematic of heaven, the home of the Christian. (laughs) Also a symbol of faith and trust. In the center of of the blue is a cross, the the ensign and chosen symbol of Christianity. The cross is red, typical of Jesus' blood. So my, my question, and this is something that's always bothered me. Do you think Jesus looks at the cross and goes, did we have to choose this symbol? Mm-hmm. Could we have chosen like, maybe, I don't know, a lamb? Could we have maybe, uh, I don't know, a dove, you know, from my baptism or, you know, mm-hmm. anything other than the device used to torture and kill me? You know, actually that gets discussed a lot in Catholic circles. And that was a huge issue between like Orthodox and non-Orthodox. Was that it's like, hey, you guys look really, really pagan with all of your statues of bloody men. Maybe, maybe you should stop doing that. Uh, I'm trying to find the copy of the pledge that I remember as a kid. Uh, I think it was this one. So while you're looking for that, I'm going to cover yeah. a lot of the Catholic Church and sex issue. Um, oh, I have. Oh, don't worry. We'll oh, talk I know about the Catholic Church and sex. Go ahead. So Frank makes a really big point in this book multiple times about, you know, mm-hmm. like him being uncomfortable about his mom having sex with somebody else, um, about him being very uncomfortable with, you know, him having sex with Teresa and then her like, mm-hmm. you know, basically dying. Um mm-hmm like did he kill her he's he's like worried about part of that um masturbation it's got to be evil is he being watched is he is this why his Mm -hmm. life is so hard because he's jacking it and if you Mm -hmm. ask people like in religion if they felt guilty for masturbation a lot of them are going to tell you yes. yes it's actually a huge like separation on religious trauma of like you'll see a lot of people overcorrect i've overcorrected on um suddenly going from zero to 300 or to 180 degrees 360 whatever it is um trying to figure out like wait a minute I actually like this should I feel bad for liking this maybe I shouldn't like this this is bad oh this is really bad if you've ever seen Disney's Tangled that part where she falls out the window and she's like or jumps out the window and she's like this is the best day of my life. I'm a horrible daughter that's like yeah that's literally that's that's what it is that's that's exactly what happens um you're like, oh, do I like handcuffs? Oh, I must be a terrible person. And that's like one of the like simplest kinks, y'all. One of the simplest kinks. Like, yeah, it's, it's really fascinating to me because we spend so much time thinking about, oh my God, am I evil for doing this thing? while simultaneously doing incredibly evil things. Yeah. I think that's my big issue with a lot of that talk is that 
it isn't necessarily the guilt that bothers me. It's the ignoring of other shit. Uh, because like right now it's Lent. I can promise you I have not been observing the fast. I technically have a medical condition, which, you know, exempts me, but I have not been observing the fast and I have still been eating meat. Um, but my statement to that has always been, if this is the thing that God is mad about, he's ignored a bunch of other things. If me eating meat is the thing, there are many, many other things that have been ignored. And I think a lot of that doesn't even come from the Bible. It comes from ministers, which ties back into religious trauma, which I'm going to say something that might be controversial. I almost liked the old Catholic version that the Bible was in Latin and that only certain people could read it. Because with as many interpretations as we got, that like to add in things that just did not happen. Now, I'm not saying that's right. I understand how batshit that sounds, but I've seen the Bible taken into many different directions. Technically, the Bible that most people are reading was some gay man's fan fiction because he wanted to murder more witches. King James I. Yes. England. What is it, Seventh of Scotland? Yes. So the, the, the gold standard of Bibles is technically some flaming homosexuals fan fiction because he wanted to murder more witches. What's great is he's buried between his two of his lovers. No. Well, alleged lovers. Alleged. If, any, if anyone would love to argue that point with me, I've been preparing for this moment my entire life. If anyone would love, if anyone would like to come to the mat and debate me on this, I'm going to do that thing that Ben Shapiro always says that liberals don't do. Nah, my sleeves are rolled up. I'm waiting. Uh, but basically, the issue with that particular sect of religious trauma in the Catholic Church, um, it's a fucking lie. Uh, we had a whole series of bad popes that were very sexually active. One of them had so much anal sex that he couldn't sit on the papal throne. He had to be carried in on his stomach on a stretcher. Holy guac. Yeah, there was this thing called the joust of whores where the Pope scattered walnuts on the Vatican floor and had prostitutes try to pick them up with their labia. Don't ask why I know these things. I mean, I know why. You've loaned me books about bad popes before. <laughs> like, we, like, the popes were bad and they were horny old men sometimes. And we're not going to talk about the current scandal with priests and underage people because... I don't have the spoons for it, but it's a lie. It's it's a lie. And out of all the things that any deity would be upset about, sex is not one of them. I did want to add two corrections to what you were saying. One, as far as the rapture goes, doomsday cults have always been a thing. Yep. Most of them are wrong. All of them have been wrong, uh, but it does tap into a zeitgeist of especially times of tumultu of a tumultuous existence. So like think about when like left behind was a thing. Think about like when the apocalypse, the Mayan apocalypse was a thing. Oh think about gosh. that 
Remember that year that everyone was listening to Nostradamus? Like, we do this cyclically, Mm -hmm. like, right? Like, during the Black Plague, everyone was like, Jesus coming tomorrow. Like, look at outside. He's coming. He's on his way. There are entire- I mean, like, my my point is more for the modern day American version. Oh, yeah. But But like, what I'm getting at is like, it taps into that thing that's always been there. So like, you are correct. Yes. But like, that's always been in us. and then two, the, I found the version of the Pledge of the Christian Flag that I remember, which Wikipedia goes out of its way to say that this is the most conservative version, which is I pledge allegiance to the Christian flag and to the savior for whose kingdom it stands, one savior crucified, risen, and coming again with life and liberty to all who believe. We said that on Sundays. I have so many concerns about that. And we stood and we saluted it just like the state flag. Like that was our pledge of allegiance. It wasn't to the state. It was to God. Like we were children. Also, a chair is not going to protect you from the rapture. Also, science is still real. Tori, can we go to the Creation Evidence Museum in Glen Rose, Texas, across from the dinosaur park? Yes, as long as we can go to the dinosaur park, too. Oh no, we're going to go to the dinosaur park first and then we're going to go to the Creation Evidence Museum because they have dioramas of like people riding triceratopses and stuff. Because, you know. I'm going to take pictures and send it to my friend who's a staunch atheist who's just going to be very upset the entire time. Yeah, because, you know, (laughs) creation happened. So like all of those animals just existed as once. So like human beings rode dinosaurs. I know I've mentioned this on the show before, but um my ex-fiance's mother a hundred percent believed that satan buried dinosaur bones to confuse christians she wanted me to do a bible study with her so she could make sure that i was good enough for her son who was cheating on me i'm sorry can we go back to the statement of he buried dinosaur bones to confuse christians sorry because that actually that actually sounds like something satan would do I mean, honestly, let's be real. That sounds like something more like Hermes or Loki would do. <laughs> like, from my oh, understanding, I forgot about that. Like, from my understanding of Satan, that actually sounds like something that he would do. Oh my God, this is the greatest day ever. Um, okay. Do we have anything else to cover? Oh, the reason why the Catholic Church is so weird about sex, originally priests were supposed to be celibate uh, and they wanted sisters, nuns to be virgins and to also be celibate. Originally, that was because they didn't want children because bishops made a lot of money. That's also why the Pope is celibate. Uh, But increasingly, there are a lot of like widowers and widows that will become like people that are active in religious life. And that's really, really nice. Also, one of my friends is a Marianist brother. Uh, the Society of Mary is the uh, society in which my Catholic university is founded on. And I always told him, if you ever get tired of this celibacy shit, call me and I will bring you to Vegas and we will have a sin night. And I am the Satan in his life. Like I told, like I flat out, I never understood the celibacy part. That is the one thing that I always questioned. And I looked him in the eye and said, if you ever want to just say fuck off to all this, I fully support you. We're going to Vegas and I'm getting you like 15 hookers. This, 
this you are the adversary evidently i'm literally satan oh also everyone thought that we were being immodest because he would like come to my apartment and we just talk about like religion and shit we talk about like heretical religion and shit and like i would have to drop him back off of the marianist brotherhood and they'd be like yeah they think that we're like doing stuff it's like you're like no we're literally having religious discussions yeah we're literally like having like a pagan conversation but okay do you want to talk about uh how having children sucks okay so i want to phrase that a little bit differently in this particular society that they're in um at least in this book there are a lot of women who basically have no lives because they have multiple children part of the into the preface having children sucks they're going they're tied back into this ties back into the catholic guilt thing of there's there's no um contraceptives because you're supposed to want multiple children Mm -hmm. but the problem is how many of the men in this book just say fuck it and walk out Mm -hmm. Um, which unfortunately is something that we still see where it's uh women are expected to be full-time caretaker full-time take or person who takes care of the house for full-time housekeeper full-time mm-hmm. drop-off of children mm-hmm. they're also expected now at least in american society for the most part to be responsible for their own 40 hour a week job if not more mm-hmm. um and there's a lot of parts in this book where i'm surprised angela didn't just go you know what peace the fuck out i'm gonna go bury myself in the river shannon have a great day now i will say a lot of that is no longer catholic a lot of that is evangelical uh-huh. uh oh here yeah now, uh now as far as catholics and contraception go um i think i'm not trying to advocate for the catholic church i will say a lot of more current priests have differing opinions uh technically vatican ii stated that contraception is okay their concern is still the premarital sex. Like, it's one of those things, like, it gets twisted by pop culture a lot, is, like, for Catholics, it wasn't really the contraception that was a problem, it was abortion, which we're not going to talk about. And it wasn't so... We don't have time to talk about that. It was the abortion part. And it wasn't so much the contraception part, again, as it was premarital sex, which, again, we don't have time to talk about. But it became this hang-up of, oh, well, if a woman is young and is on contraception, ergo soon, her pussy's in the wind. Um, you know how bad I want you to make a sticker that says ergo soon, pussy's in the wind, but like we would totally get that uh, red bubble block on it that we have on like block. half of our stickers. Yes. I mean, I can try. All ergo- What is it? All praise the sexual awakening pear tree? Yep. Like I could try. I mean, like, but yeah, like that's my godmother and I got into it about that because I was taking birth control in college because my uterus is wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was like, "Are you sexually active?" It's like, well, first of all, it's none of your fucking business. Second of all, no. But like that was a sticking point for her because, you know, she was like, "Oh, her pussy must be in the wind." Like she's on contraception. But a lot of girls will get birth control to fight acne. Like a lot of that stigma 
is going away in the church is just upheld by people that usually aren't in the church and keep saying that it is. So it's soft fake news. But I definitely don't want to also scapegoat like this isn't a current issue. Um, I spend a lot of time on Reddit stories. Um, and there's a lot of mothers that don't like being moms. And being a mother is hard. And I never really understood like that hokey thing that happens on Mother's Day where everyone's like, mothers are so strong and they're so brave and they're so, because I had a shitty mom, uh, love her to death, I mean, literally to death, she's dead. But like, I had a shitty mom. So I didn't get the whole like moms are super powered and stuff like that. What I think that mug needs to say is a good mother is a hero. A present mother is a hero. A gentle mother is a hero. Uh, but flip that around. Motherhood does things to a woman's body that is indescribable, both physically, emotionally, and everything. Children suck sometimes. Um, there was one story that I read um, about this mom who has like a profoundly disabled child and she put that child in hospice and says I'm never visiting them again because it ruined her life and everyone was just so mean to her but it's like that's how one person is coping with a situation that you probably can't even wrap your head around we finally <laughs> as a society are starting to have that conversation be more prevalent of I'm so-and-so I'm choosing not to have kids because, you know, with everything going on right now and, you know, lack of financial support, there's really not a way for me to successfully do this. Right. Or women, Gesture, gestures to the everything. Gestures wildly. <clears throat> now, and, and we're not saying it's wrong if you want children. I'm just going to throw that out there. That's, that's, no, gorgeous. that's not that's, what we're here. That's to your do. personal decision. That's wonderful. I have a stepdaughter yeah. who is great. I yeah add more to the population. I love raising her. That's, that's a delight in my life, but mm -hmm. I do not feel the need to bring more kids into the situation. I um, will say this. Uh, if you don't, if you don't want the state in your womb, you definitely don't want us there. I mean, we'll try to keep the place clean and everything, but like, we definitely don't need to be making reproductive decisions. For yeah. No, we can barely make our own reproductive decisions. <laughs> I honestly believe it is an individual choice. And I think Always. if you, I don't think there's anything inherently evil about taking care of yourself in a situation where things cannot, cannot get better, or I don't know how to, to phrase this without making a bunch of people scream. So you know what? You do you, boo. Yeah. Like literally just you do you. Also, the world is currently on fire. Mm -hmm. Um, and Vladimir Putin compared himself to J.K. Rowling. <laughs> That's a bad idea. Like right now, what does he want to do? Like say he's got a side of Joss Whedon on him? Okay, anyhow. No, um, like he was like, I've been persecuted. I've been canceled by J.K. Rowling. <laughs> he thinks he's being canceled. One, that he's being canceled and two, that it's unfairly. What <laughs> is to Putin, Tori. One of the other major portions, not to tie into the cancel thing, but of this is the feeling of not belonging in this book. Um, yes. When uh, Malachi Jr. and Frank first get there, mm -hmm. they're yanks. 
everyone calls them the Yanks. And that's something that I always want to remind people when you go to Ireland, if you're from the United States, don't walk in and say, I'm Scotch Irish or my family's Irish. No, they're going to look at you square in the face and say, you're a fucking American Mm -hmm. with that phrasing. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, They understand that many people went over there. Okay. They get it. You were mm-hmm. not raised in Ireland. You are not mm-hmm. Irish. You were not raised mm-hmm. in Scotland. You were not Scottish as much mm-hmm. as you want to be. Okay. I will tell you that right now. Just ain't nothing wrong with a little bump and grind. But what I am saying is if you go over there and you start saying that kind of stuff, they just look at you like you're on crack. My, my younger cousin is trying to do that. <clears throat> my younger cousin is trying to do that right now where he's going through this phase of like, oh, he's cultured. And he's like, I just want to go to England and they'll appreciate me. Like, you're going to be called a slur within five minutes. Yeah, no, yeah. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I'm not trying to dog on England or anything, but you're going to hop off that plane and within like five minutes, you're going to be called a slur. You are not- It's alive and well in the UK. Right, like, and they're they're not going to see through the ruse of like, oh yes, he's wearing fucking Zara. They're not going to see through- and think that, ah, uh, yes, he is one of us. They're going to call you a slur. <laughs> What's like, interesting, and we, we talked a little bit about this too, is even what place you're from, even within the same country, is a question. So the South gets made fun of in the U.S. all the time. Mm-hmm. And the South makes fun of the North all the we time. We don't make fun of the North. We just don't acknowledge them. And then you have like the same thing in Ireland. There are certain people that they're like, oh yeah, no, y'all still belong to the UK. You're traitors. Sidebar, who is doing that? More people than you think. I'm like, excuse me, sidebar. Who is- the, great, the great thing is, at least from what I can tell, and I don't live in Ireland, so I'm not there day after day or anything like that, as a lot of the younger people are like, why were we fighting about Protestants and Catholics? Because this is fucking stupid. And then you look into the history and you realize it's really just political bullshit. But, Mm -hmm. but a lot of people died for political bullshit, which continues Mm -hmm. to this day, not necessarily in Ireland or seeing Mm -hmm. it go on in uh, the Slavic countries. Yeah, we're not gonna listen. The world's on fire. We're all doing our best here. Uh, And we talked We're a little bit about um, Malachi Sr. and his uh, mm-hmm. not really being able to get work because he was from the North. So we talked about it. Mm-hmm. All right. I normally prepare a huge thing about the history of a person, but I we've read a memoir. So you know a lot of Frank McCourt's life already. So I'm mm-hmm. just going to fill in some details. So he was <clears throat> born in Brooklyn in 1930, August 19th. Um, Mm -hmm. I didn't look up what his sign is because I didn't feel like it. Um, Mm -hmm. He died when he was 78 um, in 2009. So July 19th, 2009 in Manhattan. So we've gone from Brooklyn to Manhattan. Pretty good, pretty good move. Um, He had both Irish and American citizenship. Mm -hmm. Um, He ended up being a teacher. So he had three books that are really well known. um, Angela's Ashes, Tiz, and Teacher Man. Um, He was married a few times actually mm-hmm. um good on you i guess yeah um, so his brothers it, the second half of brothers did survive so um my or he had a little brother michael <coughs> Alphon, or alfie is really what they call mm-hmm. him 
and then Malachi survived as well. So just in case you're wondering, mm-hmm. um, he ended up um, obviously living through a bunch of the crazy shit for the Great Depression with his dad ending up going to work in the wartime factories for Coventry. So if you know what mm-hmm. that is, that's a big deal. Um, when he was 13, the Irish Christian Brotherhood rejected him as a student from high school. So his official education ended when he was just 13. Mm-hmm. Worked as when he was doing traveling messages, he was working for the post office delivering telegrams. Um, he did magazines, he did newspapers, <coughs> he did um, wrote debt collection letters for a local woman. Um, he saved all his money up and then decided that he was going to peace out when he was 19. Um, mm-hmm. He had um, he ended up working at one point in time at a hotel, making like way more money than his dad was making. Um, mm-hmm. So he was at the Biltmore for a while. He earned twenty six dollars a week, and he was sending ten of it back to his mom. Oh, um, that's nice. His brothers Malachi and Michael ended up coming to New York, <clears throat> and then later mm-hmm. Angela came over with Alfie as well. Um, he ended up getting drafted into the Korean War. Um, and then he went to Bavaria for a while, which is cool. He trained dogs, which is kind of badass. And mm-hmm. then ended up working as a clerk. Um, he came back to New York. He worked in the docks. He worked in warehouses. He worked in banks. And then he used the GI Bill to go to New York University. Um, yeah. Basically, talked his way into the university because he didn't have the, uh, the history to get in there. Um, mm-hmm. Evidently, he maintained a pretty solid B average the whole time, which is cool. Um, he graduated, he got his BA in English, and he ended up teaching in a bunch of schools in New York. Um, mm-hmm. And then for a while in the 1960s, he was at Trinity College for 18 months. Trinity College mm-hmm. is one of the coolest places in the world if you get a chance to go. <clears throat> um, he failed to earn his PhD there before coming <laughs> back to New York, which I love. Um, mm-hmm. He ended up writing a bunch of essays about his life and they were published in the New York times. And that's kind of what got him into like doing his book writing and stuff. Cause initially, if you read the intro to one of the most recent releases, um, can't remember her name is like, I think it's Jeanette Wallace, whatever mm-hmm. glass castle does the intro. And she's talking about how Frank McCourt and her were talking. And he said that when he was younger, he didn't understand that he could tell stories about his life and people actually would want to hear it. He's like, why would anyone want to know about my weird life? Um, that is such a mood, right? He ended up winning the Pulitzer prize for biography or autobiography in 1997. The book Mm -hmm. was really well received. Um, he ended up winning the national book critics circle awards. Um, and then three years after it became a bestseller, it became a movie. And so if you're like, what, it became a movie. It really did. Even John Williams did the score. Um, but it's, they ended up, he ended up writing because his book was so popular that he did Tiz, which is his life picking up from the end of Angela's Ashes, and then wrote Teacher Man to talk about being a teacher. Um, this is where it gets interesting because a lot of the natives of Limerick where he was living say that he's full of shit, which I think is hilarious. Um, they accuse him of being incredibly exaggerative um, with his stories mm-hmm. about you know how poor everything are. Even his mom, so Frank McCourt's mom, Angela, would sit in the audiences and yell, it's all just a pack of lies when he started talking. Um, <laughs> he got an honorary doctorate from the University of Limerick, but it's his book is a little bit like um, how people from Savannah treat Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. You either hate it or you pretend it doesn't exist. Yeah, I can see that being a thing where 
you know, no one likes it when you shit on your homeland, especially if like it doesn't feel earned. Cause like basically if someone wrote like, oh my God, I moved to Texas and it was the most racist, awful place. I'm like eight times out of 10 be like that checks. Like, yeah, it makes sense. When, what I think is really funny is it gets very easy to romanticize where you're from, especially mm-hmm. if you're not there anymore. Like mm-hmm. I will tell you all the amazing stories about California and how much I miss it and all this stuff. But if I had to go back there and live there, I probably wouldn't be very happy. Okay. Yeah. Same with me back home in North Texas. Like I wax philosophic about how much like, I love Dallas Fort Worth. I'm not there. Like I clearly have made my choice. So dies softly. No, I just I'm reading stuff. So um I just found out that Mal or not Malachi that uh Frank McCourt died on his se- a month before his 79th birthday. So he evidently had gone in for treatment for melanoma. He was in remission. He was at home doing chemotherapy. And then he died due to menin- meningeal complications at a hospice in Manhattan. Hmm. Ugh. Ugh. Well, we can't say we killed this one. Um, his ashes were shared among his brothers, his wife, and his daughter. Um, eight years after his death, his daughter Maggie spread her share of the ashes in Limerick where she was traveling with her sons, Jack and Avery, and his widow. Um, they scattered them at... Uh, I'm sorry, Irish listeners. Caragrinal Castle overlooking the River Shannon. And um, Mm -hmm. also um, Mungret Abbey, Mm -hmm. where a lot of of Angela's family is buried. Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Um, the portion for his brothers are evidently buried where, uh, or in the same cemetery as Arthur Miller in the Great Oak Cemetery in Connecticut. Oh, that's nice. There's evidently a musical for Angela's Ashes, which I would think would be the most depressing musical other than Les Miserables. Um, I saw, a, mu- I saw a, a musical version of Japanese internment written by George Takei. There you go. Also, does that mean that I get to tell you the funniest story about someone's cremated remains? Yes, you do. Please do that. I need a break because this book is making me cry. So... Do you know who uh, Yuri Geller is? I do know who Yuri Geller is. So for those of you who don't know, Yuri Geller is a magician. I'm using the deepest of air quotes that I possibly can. And uh, he's a really, really sensitive magician. He's actually one of the reasons why on Pokemon cards, Alakazam can no longer be uh, viewed bending spoons. That is a famous lawsuit that Pokemon lost because of that motherfucker uh but basically like he was making the circuit you know like the 70s and the 80s and everything like that and there was one guy who hated him his name i don't remember his last name but his first name was randy and he went by the amazing randy he was another like old he was like another like old it was james randy james randy went by the amazing randy and he was like the magician's magician like old school but he did it to debunk shitty psychics and magicians so there was one time that uh Yuri Geller was meant to go on TV and the amazing Randy came on like the next day and debunked all of his tricks they hated each other 
to the extent that one of the most famous words that the amazing Randy ever said. And these are words that I would someday probably want tattooed on me, <laughs> which is blow my ashes into Yuri Geller's eyes. Yep, that tracks. Just blow my ashes into Yuri Keller's eyes. <laughs> uh, so you read this in school, correct? <clears throat> I think I read it in high school or the very beginning of college. It's like time is a myth now. Yeah, I never had to read this. Well, you had never uh, heard of it until last week or two weeks ago. No, I honestly thought like you were like on drugs. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? I was like, what? <laughs> like, I was genuinely concerned for you. I was like, I don't know what this book is. Uh, but yeah, it was definitely a read. <laughs> it's an experience. It's not necessarily a happy experience. No, I by no means can claim that at all. Not in, not in the least. It is, uh, existence is pain. Existence is pain. Existence is pain, and we're all just doing our best here. Um, Tori, would you like to tell the fine people at home uh, what we're reading next? We're reading Dicey's song. So if I you don't thought you were getting a break... Cynthia Voigt. Huh? Cynthia Voigt is the author. You're not getting a break. Congratulations. Nope. We love you. Congratulations. If we're going to do junior high trauma, we're doing junior high trauma. Uh, <clears throat> if you would like to support the podcast, you may do so at anchor.fm slash unfortunately required reading. Uh, this is the part of the show where we thank our patrons. Thank you. Uh, we appreciate it. Also, this is the part of the show where we say that uh, we have two designs in the shop right now that are going towards some very, very special charities. Uh, one uh, to help Ukraine and the other to the Trevor Project because Greg Abbott is a fucking bitch. What's really cool is the... Um... <laughs> the the group voices of children who is the one we're benefiting for ukraine is actually they they put a message up on facebook thanking us which was really freaking cool and i almost started it crying it was really cool so yeah if you buy two in the morning so i didn't send it to you but i was like, i saw it and i was like this is great but yeah so if you'd like to buy either of those designs uh 50 of those proceeds do go to those respective charities uh we obviously are not generals we're not politicians this is the least that we can do uh i will say though i have loved all of these like armchair generals like oh if i was there i'd do this bitch get up like go i love that i love watching like every armchair history channel general right now on twitter like oh well if they knew anything they'd attack putin from here it's like okay go do a Mulan where it's like who will fight for China then go do that if you know the answers because I sure as fuck don't I don't know the answers I just know that I have a pen of a gender fluid pidge loaf and it makes me really happy I was uh 
our work happy hour yesterday, Stone Cold Sober explaining the Cold War to one of the girls in our group who I think was like, dear God, get this woman away from me. Yes. But I was like, I also know that I have no idea of how mm. to fix this. Yes. So let's send some money so they can help some traumatized children. Thanks. Okay. Yeah. And then the other 50% goes towards supporting us who are formerly trauma who are former children who are still traumatized. So we are all over social media. Um, you can actually find our Redbubble store. We have a link for basically our shop um, on unfortunatelyrequiredreading.com. But if you want to hang out with us on social media, we are on Facebook at Unfortunately Required Reading, which usually is just me like standing spark notes. Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, RR on Twitter, which Amanda is the graceful champion of. Um, unfortunately required on Instagram where we put random pictures of stuff up and unfortunately mm -hmm. required reading.com we already talked about or you can email us at unfortunately required reading at gmail.com and sometimes we actually check it yay yes that is the nicest way to put it now if you'll excuse me I have bonsai trees to look at um, because what is coping there is only consumerism I can't even talk crap. I'm supposed to have an Oracle deck show up today. Anyway, we go, love y'all. read a book. Uh, oh, also, uh, if you're sick, stay at home. Yes, please do. Uh, if you the kill pandemic, Amanda with the common cold, I'm going to be pissed. Yeah, fun fact. Uh, the pandemic isn't over, one. And then two, just because it's not COVID doesn't mean it's not serious. Severe side eyes to coworker that came in with a cold. Now I have bronchitis. So the pandemic is not over just because you're over it. Uh, and also, if you are sick and it's not COVID, baller, still stay your ass at home. I'm Especially gonna go take option to work from home. Yeah, I'm gonna go take some Mucinex and cry because I wanted to do stuff today. But no, I got to stay home now because I got the bronchitis. Ain't nobody got time for that. On the, uh... Nobody has time for it. All right, you guys go read books. Bye. Make good choices. Yeah.